Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey there, pretty kitties, horned dogs, and playful ponies. This is Billy Persida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, comedian Billy Persida. This is the podcast where every week I talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, and love. But this week's guest is not one of my former play partners. No, this week I've got the lovely, the awesome, the badass Tina Horn. I can't wait to tell you more about her in a bit. But first, I got some show dates for you people. Show dates. Yes, uh, January 18th, I will be at Silvana up in Harlem. And then I will be January 27th at the Grizzly Pear. And then February 13th, I'm going to be doing a uh, long set over in Fairfield, Connecticut. I don't have details for that gig yet, but uh, get on my mailing list over at manhorpod.com. And you will be the first ones to know how you can see me up in the CT. Looking forward to that. Um, by the way, when you come to shows, say hi, you whores, okay? I went and did the Naked Show with uh, Allison Klemp up in Boston. Had a fucking blast. Sold out crowd. <clears throat> and Apparently, there's one or two people there. They came to the show. They got in, they saw me, and then they bounced because they said they were too shy. And I say, fuck that. Come say hello. I demand a hug out of you people. Lord knows I need one from time to time. Uh, but I had, had a blast up, at, up in Boston. Uh, the Swinger couple, they came out. So I hung out with, uh, with the, I, forget their, uh, <laughs> I forget their pseudonyms at the moment. But they, they were there, hung out, had some drinks with them. And that was a good time. And uh, and then I saw Star Wars. Wow. Finally saw the Star Wars everyone's been talking about. What a feminist wet dream, right? Look, on top of being like pretty kick-ass and an awesome, fun, space action Star Wars movie, that's all well and good. But can we just take a moment to recognize like, wow, kick-ass from a, like a feminism perspective. You got one of the main characters who just like Princess Leia back in the day. Uh, can really kind of handle her own. Except this time, there's no need to save her. She's doing, she's doing okay. She's not in the best of circumstances, but she's not unlike Anakin. She's like, she's holding her own. I, what, I loved, what I loved was that J.J. Abrams is, is kind of acknowledging, look, there's a lot of shitty tropes when it comes to like men saving women and like the helpless woman in the action movie. Even when the, the, the woman kicks ass, she still needs a little bit of assistance from the penis. Uh, no. There's, like a, there's a scene early on where they're running from something, uh, her and another male character. And he like, he's smitten with her, but like he like grabs her hand and is like trying to tug her. And she's going like, look, I could run. She literally says, I could run faster if you stop trying to fucking hold my hand. It's like J.J. Abrams saying to her, well, like, look, can we... Yeah, sometimes men save women, but can we just chill the fuck out with it a bit? She's a very capable, you know, pilot, and everyone's, like, surprised she's a pilot. It's like, yeah. And by the end of the movie, she's kicking some ass. Fucking loved it. Now, now I think it's important for us to acknowledge some of the tropes that The Force Awakens acknowledges and then goes against. I think that's good for us. Let's do the think pieces, okay? 
Let's talk about, let's praise it for that. And then the next movie that does this, don't say anything about it. Part of what's so damaging is that, you know, young women are seeing, young you know, little girls are seeing these movies. And for a time, they, they see a movie and they think, oh, I guess I can only be that, or I can only be the princess who gets saved, or, oh, you know, I kind of more identify with the, with the guy who gets to do all the cool stuff. I don't want to just be sitting around waiting for the stuff to get fixed around me. That was really damaging for a lot of girls who wanted to go kick some ass. But here's the problem if we keep writing think pieces every time a movie gets its shit together and has like a badass female character. Look, it's no surprise that Hollywood needs to have more diversity with their female roles, okay? I think the artists themselves are aware it's, it's happening. I'm not saying it's solved. But I think for the kids, don't make such a big deal out of the next one. Because if, when you make a big deal out of something, it's because it's out of the norm. It's not normal. It's like, wow, that's crazy. The Force Awakens has this like, strong uh, feminist character who's like, kicking ass and, and doesn't need a man's help. Even saves a man a couple times. That's not normal, and that's why we're acknowledging it. But it's never going to become normal if we keep doing that. Let them just see the movie. The kids are smart. They will figure it out on their own. Let let a movie like like Disney's Brave. I loved Brave, okay? Let Brave come out and just let it be. Let her just see that that's, sometimes that's how a movie goes. Sometimes the woman is the, the lead action hero, and sometimes the man's the lead action hero. Sometimes they're both the lead action hero. Otherwise, it's just never going to become normal. It's always going to be a sensational thing when a woman kicks ass. I want, I want to live in a world where it's normal that sometimes a woman kicks ass. But um, I, I, I was a fan of The Force Awakens. I was, I was cool with that. Yeah. Thanks to all of you uh, so far who have taken the time to answer some questions in that survey. I'm getting some very useful information. I'm, I'm starting to learn about like what y'all like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of, what you want to hear less of. I'm actually starting to book some guests based off of those answers. It's really important information for me to have. And so if you have not already answered the survey, and yes, it's most of you who are listening, I know the numbers, have not, uh, please go to manhorpod.com. It's right there in the top menu. It'll say listener survey. Click that, take you a couple minutes, and for every 100 uh, participants, I will raffle off a $20 Beyblade gift card. So you're not doing it just for nothing. You might get a little sign out of it. If you didn't win the Powerball, you might get uh, $20 towards your next vibrator. So please go do that, manwhorepod.com. Um, this happened also. I was, I was doing a podcast. It's called the Bottoms Up Podcast. It's part of the Keith and the Girl Network. The episode's not released yet. I'll let you know when it is. But uh, when I was done with it, this dude who was sitting in, he, uh, he goes to me because he hears you know, me talk of my whorish uh, sensibilities. He goes, Hey, you know what, man? You know what you should do is you should tell women that you got a big dick. I'm like, huh? He's like, yeah, man, tell them like you got a big dick. It's uh that should be like your thing. It could, it could be your hook. I'm like, yeah, but like, I, I don't, I don't have a big dick. It's like very just above average. It's, it's like a flat six. 
uh, he's like, yeah, no, no, but you should just tell him it anyway. That's that. That's your hook. That can be your thing. I'm like, it's like that. You can pick up women doing that. I'd be like, I don't know, man. You know, I uh, I have a I have this entire podcast that's mostly booked with just women I've hooked up with every week for over ninety weeks. Like, I think I'm doing okay in the picking women up department. You know, my strategy is uh, I I treat them with respect, and then I never even mention the size of my dick. And it seems to work pretty well. It's kind of astonishing. <laughs> it's like, you know, if in the first five minutes you don't mention your penis, women seem to be kind of into it. I know it sounds strange, but you should give it a shot. <laughs> and then what, right? It's like, what? Okay, I tell him I got a big dick, and then and then we we go back to my place or her place or some park, and uh, and she's like, Wait, hey, where's that big dick you promised me? It's like she pulls out a tape measure from her from her purse because she's got everything in the world in there. Okay, maybe he's not talking literally. Maybe he's not saying, uh, tell him that you literally have a big dick. Just act like you got a big dick. Have that big dick swag. I was like, you know what big dick swag is usually called? Being an asshole. Big dick swag is like having a flashy Corvette and double parking in a handicap spot. You know, like that's big dick swag. And you know what we know about people who have big dick swag? They don't usually have a big dick. Usually quite the opposite. And when they do have a monster schlong and they walk around with that kind of swag, you know what they usually do? They kind of jackhammer for two and a half minutes and leave her unfulfilled. Way more sore than had she been jackhammered by a guy with a nice flat six inches, okay? So settle down, buddy, with your unsolicited shit. <laughs> this episode now is uh, with Tina Horn, sex educator, erotic writer, professional dominatrix and fuck podcaster. Uh, Tina Horn is the host of the Wire People Into That podcast. Uh, great podcast. I talked about it last week on the uh, Year Review show. I'm really into it. I'm like almost done binge listening to it. I'm a fan. Um, she hit me up on Twitter. She was like, yo, we should be podcasting together. I'm like, girl, I hear you. I sees you. So uh, we did that. But we had a great conversation. We talked about a lot of stuff. Talked about her podcast. We talked about sex. We talked about um, dom-sub relationships. We talked about platonic love. We talked about feminism. We talked about a lot of cool things. And I think you're all going to very much enjoy this. So please um, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with the Tina Horn. I, I have such a big ego problem mm -hmm. with it, like with with any kind of self-promotion and especially when it involves money, which is weird because it's all about um, it's like a mind game. You know what I mean? It's like uh, in certain contexts, I feel totally comfortable being like, I deserve your money. Give me everything that I'm going to make. You're going to think that you want to give me everything. Yeah, if you're holding that. a whip, you're very comfortable asking for money. <laughs> well, not to put too fine a point on it, but yeah, no. Uh, I, I'm very used to these specific contexts in which I feel exactly in which I feel okay um, with somebody getting their credit card out. And um, I, uh, yeah, I feel really weird about 
um, self-promotion on uh, social media, and I have felt really weird about the um, Patreon thing. Uh, Patreon, Patreon. Uh, pa- Patreon. My, I have my... <laughs> oh, I struggled with it, too. My co- I watched a lot of videos before I nailed down how to say it. Somebody very close to me um, pronounces it Patreon, which sounds like a, a character in... Like from the Neverending Story, or like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Patronus Patreon. Yeah, right. It's some Game of Thrones <laughs> shit. Um, but uh, I guess it really makes sense when you think of the word patron, right? And you think Patreon. It's really not that hard. But um, uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, it, the strategy has worked really well because I did like a soft launch mm. and just like mention it on my show, um, and a few sort of casual times on Twitter, yeah. and then enough. And, and did like a giveaway and then of, of, of my, um, of my books and then, um, uh, enough people signed up from that, that now I feel really confident. I'm like, they like me. They really like me. Yeah. And so now I feel a little bit more confident, like, um, turning up the heat. Isn't that strange though? Like, cause you wrote, you wrote a book. You're not shy about asking for money for a book, right? Well, that's exactly it. It's like when, I mean, uh, well, first of all, I do get kind of sh- actually I do like I just taught a class when I was in San Francisco at the Armory and like people had paid like $30 a head to come to the class and um you know there were like 40 people there who had like paid $30 to like sit and listen to me talk and like show a funny slideshow about role play for right. 2 hours and then I was definitely, like, in my, like, being on stage, I was like, come buy my book. Like, come talk to me. Like, I've got all these books for sale. Check me out. And then when people come up and they'd be like, how much are they? I'd be like, oh, uh, I don't know. Like, how much do you have? And yeah, what, like, do you, what do you got? such a, <laughs> like, it's so, um, uh, I don't know. I'm, like, not as good a hustler when I'm wearing clothes, I guess. <laughs> I mean, because I feel, so first, let me just say, uh, we're, we're here with, uh, <laughs> The Tina Horn. The uh, Tina Horn. The Tina Horn of uh, the Wire People Into That podcast, uh, author, uh, pro-dom, amongst all sorts of other things. But I, I relate on that because as a comedian, we mm. do so many free shows. Mm, right. Like, w- we're so shy to ask for money. Only recently have I seen some comics running these bar shows. Some of them are starting to ask for $5. Just yeah. $5. Just to say, hey, we're, we're giving you a thing. We are creating a content we're giving you entertainment we're giving you something even though it's not a tangible book you know like a podcast like a a show entertainment yeah so it's like fucking pay me even it's five dollars give you know gotta pay for stuff and but we get so shy i feel like all sorts of entertainers and performers need to take some sort of like confidence class and be like we have like internalized a shame about our sense of of worthlessness because we've been told that art is worthless since we were born yeah yeah did that come before or after that the uh, sex is shameful stuff it's like what so much shame gets taught <laughs> seriously it's like probably before you get sex shamed you get art shamed mm-hmm. it's like don't, uh you know don't do that weird kinky stuff and uh be a lawyer or something yeah right and to, like don't don't paint on the walls <laughs> don't finger paint on the walls that's bad paint inside the lines <laughs> so you uh you have a podcast as well you're yeah. the first sex podcast i actually mentioned it in last week's episode nice. uh saying that it's like my favorite new sex podcast that i Yay! have found because i don't listen to a lot of shows i don't have to who's got the time yeah to listen to seven podcasts in every episode 
I can't do it. So the only sex podcast I'd listen to really was Dan Savage. Which I love. <clears throat> yeah, but it's so impersonal. So listening to you yeah. made me feel like the way listeners must feel listening to me. Awesome. Because I'm like, oh, I feel like I know like all about her and I don't even know, <laughs> never met this woman. Um, so it's great. A great show. Why are people into that? I Thank do you. ask. So why are people into that? That's <laughs> Why are people into what? All of it. There's so much stuff. Um, Bicycles. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> you know, that is one thing that I'm proud of on my show is that there are. Um, I'm just. An, I'm just a very abstract person. I have to really uh, force myself to be more concrete, like in my writing. In- I didn't know which version of you I was going to get today. You <laughs> have anyone ever said you look very different depending on the picture? Yes. You have like a bunch of different looks. Yeah. So it's like I didn't know who's going to show up. Yes, I also have. I've said this many times. I. When I was a kid, I always thought that the Clark Kent thing was ridiculous because how do people not recognize that he's Superman? And I have to tell you, when I am wearing my glasses, people who know me uh, in, you know, uh, contact contexts uh, are like, just, I will like look straight at them or talk to them and they like won't know who I am. So, um, (laughs) you know, I like that. I Mm. like being a chameleon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you were, you were saying um, that you, you what you like about your show. Oh, I guess I, um, you know, the thing, speaking of art, the thing that's really great about making your own art is that you get to do whatever the fuck you want. And when you have had like editors or promoters or even collaborators be like, that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, I don't give a fuck what you think. I think this makes sense. And then there's always somebody out there who's like, thank goodness that somebody said it this way because I've been thinking that and like there's all this gatekeeping around like getting this. So anyway, it is nice to be able to say like sometimes we do like why are people into squirting or why are people into prostate pleasure or why are people into bondage or you know all of these like spanking like these concrete things. Um, And then also sometimes I have people who have an expertise in like something like magic. So like I had Connor Habib on and we talked about the occult and sex and then Lady Poppy Cox, who does this bike smut film festival. And we talked about why are people into bicycles? Yeah, it was really fun because it was like, it's maybe, maybe it's like a stretch to call these things like a fetish, but I don't know when you've like been around sex culture and sex underground and yeah. consumed a lot of sexual media and read a lot of books like does for, anything shock you anymore you know it's well, like things things shock me but uh, there are some things that i'm like uh with, other people are talking about this can i tell you a really shocking story I just tell me heard? all sorts of shocking stories okay i'm gonna really really i'm curious if you can shock me that's i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck up your listeners right now because okay because last I, week i told him i was supposed to come in a woman's dirty martini for a filthy martini bachelorette party didn't happen and i was really mad about it so it's, right now that's the craziest thing i've heard that's the craziest thing that you've said on the podcast i mean in my personal opinion that is absurd and nuts i'm sure i've seen i've also been part of bukkakis and shit cool but the filthy martini was the craziest thing i've heard that's also cute it's cute <laughs> i think it's cute like i don't mean that to be like condescending i get like a like a dirty martini a filthy martini i totally get it oh the name yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i didn't know what it was either until she told me i was like oh that would be fun so i really hope that i don't get in trouble for telling the story because it's not necessarily mine to tell but nobody told me not to tell it so i'm gonna tell it um 
I was just told by someone who I absolutely 100% trust that this is true and that it really happened. Okay. That they were at a play party and uh, like a, like a kinky leather party. Mm. And there's uh, these two, this couple who has a reputation for doing very, like extremely depraved degrading things. And this is like an environment where like people get together to do like things that the average person would like consider to be quite depraved. So one of them is a a surgeon, an actual surgeon. You're like, <laughs> we're depraved and surgery. Where is this going? Every time medical play comes up, I get chills. Yeah. Ugh. No, I... I uh, okay. Well, sit down. Um, <laughs> um, so what they did was this surgeon actually extracted part of his partner's flesh and grilled it at the party and then made her eat it. That never happened. That did it, not happen you, I swear, in a public environment. I swear to you because... This it, is the problem with trusting people nope, is they fuck you nope, and they tell you nope, stories like and, this. No, and, 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 why would she lie? And, because it's fun to watch you believe it. No, no, I, I, I'm no, the gullible you, you, friend. No, this happens to, all no, the time. No, you have to. You have to trust me. These people wouldn't lie about such a thing. Oh man. Um, and the but the reason that these people were banned from this event is not for doing that, but oh. because he made her walk around with the meat, offering it to people without telling them what it was. That's what got them banned. Oh non, man, non consent. Because, like, if people want to consent to... What did she say it was? I don't know. She said it was meat. She didn't, like, really lie. She told the truth. So are you saying that if you unwillingly ate human flesh and then found out what it was, you would not be upset about being lied to? I might be upset, but I wouldn't call it lying. I would say it was a really, really clever trick. If you took vegetables and you made it look like a chocolate chip cookie and you told me this is a really special kind of cookie and I ate it and then you told me it's filled with all the healthiest things in the world, I would say, fuck you, but you got me fair and square. Well, I like how your mind works. (laughs) That's why. Was that here in the city? I don't know. That okay, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. So now I'm, I'm sure. I've never heard real life examples of vor that are like second hand or third hand or whatever. You only hear them like in in the media. Right. Well, you hear about the people who did it wrong. They did it wrong. <laughs> I I guess well because like freshman year of college, a girl I taught I was on Fet Life for like three days. Yeah. And I realized this is not the place for me. Sure. And some, I found one other person from – I went to NYU and there was a mm. girl who was from NYU and yeah. we talked and we were like, okay, we're clearly somewhat like-minded. Let's like have lunch. We weren't like into each other but just to be like, oh, there's other freaky people in the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Uh, she gives me some links of things that turn her on. She's like, oh, this is like what I'm into. And then she logs off, like runs – she's like, here, take this. Bye. Like runs. The links were links of like scenes from Saw – Hostile wow. queen of the dam when she's pulling out the intestines. Uh-huh. She's like, yeah, when he like he cuts his Achilles tendons, I get mega wet. I'm like, kink's not my kink. It's okay. Kink's not my kink. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's that's so interesting because, um, I mean, I I do like to compare 
kink to watching a horror movie in the sort of more like um like nervous system response or like somatic response like in your body that like when i'm trying to explain to people like what do people like to sexualize depraved things it's like well it's cathartic to like i like horror movies you Mm. know so like it's cathartic to watch something horrible happened to someone and in that case it's acting right and it's like practical effects or cgi or whatever and then if you're watching like a like bdsm porn if it's if it's you know if it's bdsm porn in which like people aren't acting in which people are actually like um are actually playing then you're seeing this extreme reaction of of the bottom or the masochist or, or whatever of like of of fear of screaming um uh and that catharsis is something that like we're interested in witnessing and interested in like then you have this like uh experience of empathy right where like you're also like feeling a little bit of that person's like fear on their behalf mm-hmm. um or <clears throat> or like excitement at their fear like on the sadist's behalf but i don't know that many people who like have such a literal relationship between like so-called torture porn, right? Like saw and hostile and like actual pornography that features like consensual torture. You know what I mean? That that, like literal connection. I like don't see that as much in my work. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. In your many lines of work. In my many (laughs) lines of work. Yeah. Um, so where'd you get like started with all this? Cause you like, you do a lot of stuff. I just love the smell of cooking human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, uh, which came first? Like the sex education, the doming, the writing sex work came first for me. Okay. Although I mean, writing came, I mean, I, I meant sexy writing. Okay. We all, we all had to write essays. Sure, in sure. Um, we all wrote fanfic. Oh in yes. High school. I wrote X-Files quantum leap crossover okay. fan fiction yeah i wish that's on a floppy disk somewhere i don't know or it's somebody's <laughs> server um i um yeah i mean i i got into sex work when i was 24 <laughs> partially because i uh thought or knew or was curious if it would give me something interesting to write about mm. um i had a literature degree and i was uh punk and i was in a band and i was making zines and um i kept trying to get office jobs in san francisco and they were really boring and i was like there's got to be some like more interesting way to support the rock and roll lifestyle and Mm. um and i so i found um a couple of uh houses to do professional bdsm and like get trained and like get brought up by other women and how to do a lot of different things um, and also like how to, like how to tie someone up and how to spank and get spanked and, and how to role play, but also like how to manage clients and like mm. how to, uh, uh, like how to have self care and like how to make the work sustainable, um, and how to support each other and how to like keep the whole like business running. Mm. Um, and it was incredibly, I mean, it was I've never been better at anything than I was at being a dominatrix. <laughs> and um, I miss it sometimes. I don't do it very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, I don't do it that much anymore because there's only so many hours in the day. And I am really interested in being a writer and making media. And um, I just, uh, it's too much of a mind fuck to like, 
have to like wear so many different hats that require like different names and different attitudes and different personas mm. and in the age of the internet to keep them separate like we were talking about with um with Patreon yeah. um <laughs> um with uh with supporting yourself you, you know what i mean it's like uh, there was it, it was uh you want to get your tax dollars mixed up the patreon money and the doming money i get it the like, the, ta- the the tax stuff is so real um uh, actually but um and all of the practical business stuff like even just, even just like time um how, did you pay taxes on your dom money right? i did yeah so like how did you do that i just declared You're myself co- as an entertainer as an entertainer yeah yeah no but the thing that was that was making me feel burnt out was more like managing um when like both as a writer and as a sex worker, you're like navigating, um, sharing intimacy with people who are craving either insight into your mind or insight, you know, into other parts of you. And, um, uh, like main, the maintaining my boundaries around like my privacy, like just an, uh, and like the simple facts of like names, but also like psychological boundaries around privacy was just, too hard so i've been focusing yeah. more on writing and media making um in the past few years all right wait so were you all uh, were you kinky and, and practicing like that before you were doming i was oh, I, uh yes and no like i was definitely kinky like i consider kink to be like a sexual orientation sure. like it was definitely like always in me um but i had not um really been able to like explore or play that much Mm. and sex work did give me um an access to um cultures and communities in which i could find like-minded people to play with and like learn about myself yeah i like what you say it's not the first time i've heard people say you know i I view kinky as a sexual orientation i don't think i disagree i'm not sure if i disagree yeah but i love if like i would love to see that on the like the government form it's like or like at the doctor it's like, are you straight? Are you bi? Are you gay? Are you kinky? Like, what's your... <laughs> it would, you know, I mean, I think that w- it would be very useful because, like, for example, I remember the first time after I really started to get into, um, like, spanking and uh, that I went to the doctor and so- there was a question about, like, have you been, has your partner hit you? in the past six months and like I, I was simultaneously they don't care if it was seven months ago only in the last six yeah, months well, fair seven enough, months fair you're enough. on your own I, it's a good it's a good point um no i mean i think that um i could simultaneously completely understand you know uh domestic abuse is very real and sometimes like that is the only environment in which um mm. people can uh get support the support that they need um uh, and at the same time i felt like Oh, it would be really nice to live in a world where we could differentiate between um uh where we could actually define violence and abuse for what it is and mm. not necessarily just say like did someone hit you you know because sometimes you want someone to hit you to yeah. hit you yeah but even that doesn't sound hit just uh it has it has such a strong connotation of domestic abuse that i feel like i don't even really usually like to say that someone hit me see yeah but i i don't know i have this this thing with words and i'm working on it i'm trying to care less about you know language no but like i don't tend to care as much about the connotation of a word mm. i care about what the word means and I, I remember when i learned the difference between denote and connote in like high school i was like oh that's 
why do we even care about this connote thing? Like, who cares? That's not my, it's right. not my responsibility. What, how someone interprets my words if I use my words properly? Hit is the right word. Uh, if, if I mean, if that's the thing, do we need to create a new word for the same action? Well, um, people, there's no objective interpretation of language. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we, I mean, we've all kind of agreed. Like, here's this book. It has about a million words in it. I googled. I checked. <laughs> And it's like, we're agreeing that these words mean this until a bunch of annoying high schoolers make literally not mean literally anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but people, I mean, not to get like semiotic about it, but you know, Please like don't you've use got big words. I don't understand. I okay. didn't know that one. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, semiotics is the study of like signs and symbols, right? Okay. So like, for example, you have a cat, um, and when I say the word cat to you, you, you probably simult, you have this, this like thought process where you simultaneously think about like every single cat that you've ever known and like whether you like cats or not, but you also probably think specifically of your cat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I say the word cat and I, you know, I might think about like black cats on Halloween or I might think about a, someone I know whose name is Catherine who goes by cat, you know, like you like think of all these things simultaneously, but like, so, it yes, it's a it's a word, and we agree what it means. But there's like a, a universe of subjectivity in our interpretation of even as like simple and concrete a word as cat. Okay, okay, I'm working. And then on- if you're getting into like words that are, like have to do with abstract things like identity, then all of a sudden like yeah, okay, so like somebody might say, for example, like if somebody says that's so gay. I mean, this is like uh, hopefully like a tired argument at this point, but yeah. like. I'm, I'm sure that there are still like dumbass adolescents who are still saying and full grown people who are still saying that's so gay. And you, you know, their argument is, well, I don't mean it like gay people. It just means like inferior, you know, but it's like, how do, how do I feel as a gay person? Like hearing that, and that's why they call them microaggressions. It's like mm. it's hard to call them out. I don't know. Because I find it's like that you're wh- not necessarily like being like a bigot or committing a hate crime when you say that's so gay. But when you fucking hear that all day, every day for your entire life, like it contributes to a feeling of oppre- it contributes to op- the the condition of oppression, not just the feeling of oppression. Of course, and from like uh, my my chair of privilege, that's why this is a very old uh, <laughs> stiff wooden chair. This is what the chair of privilege. Am looks I on like. the like the the couch of marginalization? Well, yeah, <laughs> the couch of well, you know, you press on. It's very soft. It's fluffy. It can morph into like it whatever. It turns into a bed, doesn't it's it? Malleable. It does turn I know, into a bed. I, think I used to have this couch. It's very, it's very fluid. You know, it's a fluid couch. <laughs> but for me, like when I the, the argument I always threw out was, and this is because I'm not gay. For as many times I get accused of it um, on a very too often basis, <laughs> I would always say, "Well, like you're just dumb because that's not what that word means. Like it's not like." Gay is an actual synonym of inferiors. Like, that's not what that word means. You're just showing that you're an idiot. And you're also hurting a bunch of people's feelings. Normally, I let pe- dumb people be dumb people, but you're hurting a bunch of people's feelings while you're being an idiot. So just stop that. And that's how I got my baby sister to stop uh, saying that's so gay. Well, congratulations. And we thank Where's you. Where's my medal? <laughs> you got a chair. Don't, the, don't us white straight dudes get medals for little things like that? It, it's called every day of your life. Every day of my life. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, I mean, uh, yes, and how many people need to use a word a certain way and have an agreed-upon understanding of what that word means before 
it starts to mean that you gave the example literally at I'm this still point, angry. Now it's been the, years. I'm angry too, but in the dictionary, <laughs> literally means figuratively, like just putting the emphasis on something, and it's just because of how people use it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have superlatives anymore. That's Every, true. It's the best or the worst. That's true. Whatever happened to really, really good? Whatever happened to that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's in the dustbin of history. Yeah. Um, so, so we both podcast about about our sex lives with other mm. people about theirs. Um, and and we actually. So you mentioned that you did like a year in the in review show. Yeah, yeah. Just now on the horecast. On yeah, on Susie Q's horecast. Yeah, it's um, so good. It's back. It's back. Yeah. It has awakened. <laughs> and and I last my la- my show last week is a is a year in review of like my oh, sex nice. life, world sex life. And and part at the end, I'm thinking about like how has this show changed me? Oh, cool! You know, doing it for ninety whatever weeks for, I think we've been doing it. You've been doing like two years. Yeah, I started it, launched it in January 2014. Right. So so, have you found that your personal sex life has changed, or any thoughts about sexual? I feel like Uh, your your thoughts on sexuality may not be changing as much because you were really into it. mm. You were deep into it. Like, how has your show affected you now? That's a great question. I. Um, uh, how has it affected me? I mean, I, I, I guess that it's affected me more artistically, um, than in terms of anything in particular that I've learned just because it's been really great to completely build something myself like i was saying before and um do things my way and sometimes when people are questioning my creative decisions i and i'm feeling insecure i'm like wait a minute i make this thing people really like it and i don't answer to anybody um the thing that i love about sex and kink and gender and love which are the sort of four topics of my show um is that we endlessly need new perspectives on sex. I mean, the reason that we're still figuring things out about something that we have been doing since the dawn of time um, uh, is because people are endlessly curious. So you can learn all of the like facts that there are to learn and you can listen to hundreds of people like tell their, their perspective, but um, it's endlessly interesting. And most of the people that I interview are people who are pretty confident and experienced talking about sex. And yeah. many of them are people who I have been talking about sex with for years already or having sex yeah. with for years already. <laughs> There's been a few episodes where it's like, so we're in the bed of Tina Horn. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? I don't know if I, have I, gotten laid because of the podcast i don't you must have at this point i ha- i don't if think- my ugly mug can get laid because of this podcast <laughs> you surely i don't think i have well anyway i'll think about that but um <laughs> anyone listening <laughs> um but so yeah i mean i've just learned I mean, I guess I'm, like, less interested in, like, learning things I didn't know before than I am interested in, like, gathering stories that I didn't have before. Um, and I'm, like, so entertained by by talking to people um, and, like, reasoning with people. Um, so, yeah. All right. Have you tr- – have you 
have you heard about something on the talked about something on the show so much that you it wasn't something you had tried and then maybe you were like curious about trying it afterwards um i guess i i mean something that recently came to mind is a is the most recent episode that's come out which is why are people into puppy play Yeah. yeah and um, we were just talking about this before we started taping that like, I, it talking to Yandy who identifies as a puppy and will like role play as a puppy and like go to parties and like go into like his sort of puppy persona, but like also is like, I'm always, this is like how I define my own identity. I'm capable of being a human when I'm walking down the street or shopping at the grocery store or at work. I'm not uh, like spontaneously. I have boundaries. I'm not going to spontaneously like expect people to like scratch me behind my ears or like mm-hmm. sniff their butts or whatever. But, um, uh, and it just kind of made me realize that it was nice to be able to give sort of a, like a puppy definition to an impulse that I have sometimes to just like be animalistic and also to like love unconditionally <laughs> in the way that dogs do. Yeah. Um, and to sort of just like embody a dog as an archetype and then feel sort of like more secure in uh, being that way. And it has less to do with sex and more to do with affection for right. me. But do you lean more submissive or dominant usually? Um, I'm like a total switch. Really? I'm okay. like, I'm like, like also like turn on a dime switch. Like, uh, and I need, I, for the, for the most part, I'm most attracted to other switches. I'm like switch sexual. <laughs> like, I'm like a homo in that way, you know? And I, I, uh, but, um, because I'm a switch, sometimes it's really satisfying to be with someone who is like 100% dominant or 100% mm. sadistic or 100% Just so top. that you know which one you're doing. Put two switches together. It's like, let's just have a debate over which role we're taking. Yeah. Or, I mean, so, so for me, so for me, the ideal like situation is to be with another switch who like, um, can, can basically like volley, you know, or like jam, like not to be like nerdy and a musician about it, but like somebody, you know, you, you can like, you can like play music with someone and you're like both playing the same, you're in the same key, but you're like not really like jiving. But then sometimes you just start playing with someone and you're like, whoa, you know? (laughs) So that's, that's, I mean, I guess it's just like straight up compatibility. That's true of any kind of sex. Right. Well, Um, well, I asked because like I, I switch, I guess, but I lean way more submissive, mm. but my being submissive is not like an BDSM. I want to be someone's bitch type of way. It's about that affection. I want to feel cared for, loved for, I want to feel affection. I want to feel wanted. So yeah. it's not even a sexual thing. It's this like affection. Yeah, stuff. you like in, like an in, you're an intimacy bottom. Yeah, I'm a total intimacy bottom. I well, would you? So, um, in my mind, there's like three different like tiers of like power dynamic, and one would be like top and bottom, which tends to refer to sex, like in. Uh, like the top is the person who's doing the penetrating and the bottom is the person who's being penetrated. Right. And then, and then there's sadists and masochists where the sadist is someone who enjoys giving consensual erotic pain. And the masochist is someone who enjoys receiving mm-hmm. consensual erotic pain. And then um, the, uh, and then the dominant and submissive is like more like strictly like power dynamics and roles and like maybe master slave, although it doesn't have to like take that, like connotation but like one person is like 
the dominant is calling the shots and running the show. And the submissive is like being obedient and, um, uh, like, uh, being receptive. And so you could be like any permutation of any of those six things. Right. Um, and at different times with different people. Um, and, and yeah. And I think that it's, I think it's really important to think about what your identity is in terms of intimacy. Like, because it can be connected to your sexual identity, but it could also be totally different. Like you could want to be like totally sexually dominant and then need the aftercare of being sort of like an intimacy bottom. Like you were just saying, like, mm. it's like so, because being dominant and being uh, the boss and being mean or being doing like, even just like physically, like doing the fucking is fucking exhausting you know and sometimes it's sometimes it's also like psychologically draining and you like maybe actually like need then to like be like held and cuddled you know yeah and and also to be brought back down to earth so you're not walking down the street being like i'm in charge of everything like yeah you know i mean sometimes i need i need that even to ramp up i've got Mm -hmm. someone i'm seeing now who like I'm, I'm smitten with her. Uh, just fuck buddies, mm-hmm. but you know, she she's good people. Yeah, there's an intimacy there, and sometimes I need even the nice words. I remember uh, the last time we we hooked up, I I almost texted her bef- on her, my way to her place. Hey, can you just like say some nice things about me right now? I just mm. I need that that build up so I can fuck the shit out of you the way you want. Because mm. like she you know she likes. Being choked, she wants to be fucked hard. And it's like, I can do that for you. But like, can you just say something sweet first? It's like <laughs> No, I think that's I think that's did you send that text? I didn't, and then I regretted it. Did you um, ask her about that when you got there? I asked her about it afterwards. Like after we tried to fuck, I was not I was in a weird headspace. I, that's partly why I needed it. I got into a fight with someone else about stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't ask for that. I couldn't really get into fooling around. And then afterwards, I said, you know, I thought about asking you for this thing. It's because with women who are not very big into intimacy, I get intimidated communicating right. those needs. I can say like, hey, suck my cock like this. But I can't say like, hey, can you just like say something really nice and hold me? Uh, because, you know, you don't want to scare off the uh, the emotionless chicks. Well, we, we have emotion. <laughs> even if no, 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 not, not chicks. The, emo- the emotionless one. I, my, my, I know, but I'm right. saying like even like the people who are – like protecting themselves and like putting up boundaries and right. not showing emotion. They have them. They have them. They're just not giving them to you. <laughs> Stingy with them. I mean, my whole history of this show is that women won't date me. They'll mm. sleep with me. They won't date me. So that's like where I'm coming from is like, yeah, don't scare off people with your fifis, Billy. <laughs> um, well, I do think that it is important for fuck buddies and casual sex partners or groups to be able to communicate what their needs are. And I think that the, what we often don't because we're not scared of intimacy. We're scared of obligation and we're scared that um, often with good reason from experience that we've had dysfunctional relationships when we were younger or seen them modeled um, even in the media or in with older people or families that if you show, if you give any kind of intimacy, then that person is going to expect 
so much from you relationship wise or start to fall in love with you or think that you're falling in love with them. And so I think we've, we've sort of learned as a culture to compartmentalize the intimacy of sex, but then, um, uh, yeah, we're like, we're not letting there be like a, like a moat of friendship around the like, castle of sex <laughs> the castle of is sex the, is, is the castle the real I, I have to think through this um figurative language but um uh, getting lost in the metaphor <laughs> yeah i do i get anybody who's listened to my show knows and they're like tina come back from the metaphor eventually they're like what the fuck are you talking about seriously it's really my like fatal flaw i i'm working on it um hopefully some people find it charming um but uh but I've had the experience of sleeping with people and, and, and having them sort of like express their feelings. And then I am worried because I am not emotionally of, I don't want it to be expected that I'm like emotionally available to like take care of them. Mm. I've had that experience where you don't want them coming at you with their issues. Yeah. And I guess like the point of this is that I wish that, um, or I would like to see a world in which people feel like, um, capable of like expecting the, the sort of things that we like expect from friends from our like, you know, I mean, buddy, it's right there in the name fuck buddy. It's like, where's the buddy part? You know, (laughs) like you should be a buddy to that person. I've just, I've, I've had fuck buddies who treated me like, like I don't care about being treated like a girlfriend, like, mm. but I do, I would like to be treated like a friend. So you're saying you want people to be able to share like their issues like they would with a friend who you fuck without it being misinterpreted as, Oh, someone's starting to like think this is romantic. That's right. I mean, and I, I do talk about this in my new book, like which sharing is- platonic love more easily. Yes. Yeah. Sharing platonic. Yeah. Or like, even if you don't want to call it love, like, but just sharing like companionship, yeah. like sharing companionship and like getting someone a fucking glass of water and like introducing them to your roommates. I was just talking to a friend of mine who said that, um, she's got this roommate who, brings home a different girl from Tinder, like literally every day of the week, which like she is like, get it girlfriend, but he doesn't introduce any of them. And he just like shepherds them like into his room as quickly as possible. And like, maybe he's embarrassed or maybe they're, they, maybe they're just eager or whatever, but like, that's what makes her uncomfortable. She's like, they're like strangers in my house and you're not even like, showing like having the self-respect or respecting these women or respecting your roommates enough to just be like this is cindy it's not a sex toy you're trying to like hide to get into your room quickly like it's a person that's right yeah that's right and also you shouldn't introduce people to your sex toys come on (laughs) (laughs) this is cindy (laughs) so so you've got you've got some books out Uh, i got a new one it's about sexting it's called sexting <laughs> and it's about straight sex straight to the point. Yeah, the su- the <laughs> subtitle is um the grown-ups guide to getting dirty digitally. Um and it is a Love the alliteration. Yes, yes. Um I so yeah, so it's it uh it, it was commissioned um by Quiver Books mm-hmm. um and um uh, who put out um uh all kinds of um sexuality uh advice books and um it's Etiquette, it was conceived as an etiquette book. Um, and my approach also included kind of talking about 
ethics as well. So it's not just prescriptive, like do this to keep your man. Like it's also talking a little bit more about like society in general mm -hmm. and, um, and technology in general. Um, but there's four parts of the book. The first part is like a guide to dirty talk IRL in All real right. life, um, which has been my specialty for a really long time. And I teach workshops in dirty talk all the time. And, um, uh, and I've written about it extensively. Uh, and then there's a chapter about online dating and then there's a chapter about sexting like in text form uh and then a chapter about uh sexting in uh in like picture and video form so like ah, selfies dick pics yeah, yeah etc cetera, et cetera. we had soraya dulbaz on who like professionally takes dick pics nice it's just what she does and she puts them in costumes she gives them personality that's amazing like i was like what i love that it's like puppetry of the penis yeah she's like i th i think dick pics are beautiful and great i'd be like Please do tell. Uh, it's, we're, there are guys who are going to clip that audio just and like play it to his girl like all the time. Yeah, yeah. Be like, see, I told you. What, so do you, you you mean the guys who like love to send dick pics, but they feel like their partners don't want them? Don't and want them. Or be like, why would any guy? Why would any girl ever want a dick pic? Because like some some do. Dude, some do. Some just don't want them from a stranger while they're at work. Well, that's, I mean, really, it all comes down to consent, right? And, right. That, and that has to do with, yes, like, if you're, I mean, one of the pieces, I do talk about this in my sexing book, like, you just have to ask yourself before you send a picture, do I really believe that this person wants to see this? Because if they you know, if you like, why do you, why do you send a dick pic? You may send it because it gives you an exhibitionist thrill, mm. right? Or, or you might, and, or you might send it because you believe that the person who you're sending it to would enjoy seeing your dick. Yeah. Um, you know, that might be because you want to like flirt with them and you want to say like, do you want to sit on this later? You know, you know, or like he misses you or whatever. Um, Should we say he misses you? Is that a good one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one's very ask sweet. Ask yourself, does this person want this picture with this statement? You just, it, it, it's, it's so simple. Like, do you actually like understand this other person well enough to know whether that's something that they're going to want? Mm. You know, and I also sometimes like somebody might want to get it sometimes, but not other times. And so another like piece of advice that I have in the book is um, about like having little like sort of codes to go into sort of like first gear with someone like, like, oh, is it like, what's the temperature in your office right now? And if you're like, it's really hot in the office, I'm sweating, then I it's like time to send a dick pic. Or if you're like, it is actually very cold. The air conditioning is on and I'm feeling frigid. Pull back, pull back, <laughs> pull the men back. Retreat. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, yeah, consensually a huge part. And I think effort when it comes to sexting is the other huge part mm. because so many people maybe they've got the consensual sexting partner and then all they can really do are these like five word sentences at a time. Yeah. Nothing too creative. Yeah. Now part of that's like there's there can be laziness, but uh what what do we, what do you say to the person who just did not do creative writing in college? Like mm. what's what are they to do? They want to, but uh, it's just the words are not coming to them. Well, my book has a lot of 
techniques for sort of developing your own like dirty syntax, you know, like your own dirty vocabulary. And it's, they're really, really simple. And it kind of breaks it down into categories like compliments, like body parts, like words for arousal. Right. Um, and, uh, Wait, so saying I'm so hard every time is like, that's not enough? That's like. <laughs> I mean, it, the thing is, is that it's just, I mean, my, I, my other like overarching piece of advice from the book and in life is that digital communication is not different from IRL communication. And I really think we could all benefit from remembering that sometimes. Like, <clears throat> I think a lot of the faux pas that we come up against or like fails, like epic fails that we come up against with sexting, like mm. happen because we are thinking of digital communication as like different somehow. Um, and the ways that it facilitates communication that you can't have otherwise is great. But like, uh, overall, like if you, if saying something would make you a dick in real life, it's going to make you a dick in texting. Yeah. Okay. How'd you get to be such a, a champion sexter? Um, that you were so confident to write a book about it. Well, you know, it's funny because <laughs> I'm, I'm actually a total Luddite. Um, so it's funny that I was asked to write this book. I was mostly asked to write it because of, um, my reputation as a dirty talk teacher. Mm. Um, but I actually think that it makes me a good person to write this book because I'm like, um, sort of on the cusp of generation X and millennials where I like grew up with the internet in my house and I'm like sort of a naturalized citizen of digital communication, but I'm also like cynical and skeptical and like read too much science fiction from the seventies. And, um, so how did I get to be such a good sexter? I mean, everything I get my hands on, I turn into a sex toy. I mean, like, (laughs) especially if it's like a communication tool, you know, like, like a, like a phone is just like a little porno. I can only imagine what you did toy. with speak and spell as a kid. <laughs> what is that? That you never, you didn't know what speak and spell was? No, I probably needed one. I'm a horrible speller. Oh, it was, uh, it was just like a, a toy, uh, and it would like teach you how to to spell and read. And I need shit. that now. <laughs> I think <laughs> it would like, I think it would show a word and then like it would say and teach you how to, yeah. Yeah, I would just be like, fuck. <laughs> cunt. You need an adult speak and spell. I do. For, I do. I know how to spell cunt now, though. <laughs> d- d- <okay. laughs> that Just be, because of autocorrect, though, it, my phone has learned because I say it so much. That would be interesting for the person who's like uh, coming into their sexual being as mm-hmm. an adult who yeah. was not comfortable saying those words, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe in their Catholic household. Oh, God. And be like, okay, here, Susie, you are going to learn how to say cunt. And when you can <laughs> say it without getting a grimace on your face, uh, you, you're an adult person now. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you'll, you'll graduate. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you get the podcast, you do, um, you do the speaking, you got the books. Uh, yeah. is there anything, what's, what's next for you? Um, well, I'm really excited to promote the sexting book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about season three of why are people into that? Um, I am. What are we exploring in the new season? You know, I I've listened to like half of your episodes. I think at nice, this point, nice. like I'm excited about it, and so I'd like to know what uh, what I have in store. I had I uh, I'm editing an interview um, with this 
uh, young queer person. Um, I, I, I can't remember what name they want to go by for the podcast, so I mm. won't say their name, but, um, uh, that'll be out in January. And it's, um, about why are people into stories? This person is like very focused on like narrative and, and stories in their sexuality and also in this like cam show sex work that they do. Okay. Um, so that was really fun because that resonates with me a lot. Um, and I, I'm going to try to have more content. I'm going to try like right now. I only do it once a month because yeah. that is just like, um, that's as much as I've been able to um, make time for with the money I've been making from it. Mm. Um, so, I hope to start making more money with the podcast, which will then help me to like devote more time to making more content. I really like doing like cultural criticism and like pop culture analysis and like hot takes. And uh, um, I would really love to do that on my show, but I can't just sit by myself and talk about like Amy Schumer. I like, I just can't do it. Can like you if you talk by yourself at all. Like it's like, I, I, have I tried have a, it. I have to have a script. Like if I, so ba- and basically in a, it like takes time for me to write the script cause I'm a writer and I have fucking standards. So yeah. like, um, so it takes time to write the script. And then I, you know, also when you are reading a script out loud, you need to get it right. So that also takes time. And, um, uh, you know, that's just like time is money and Mm -hmm. um it's not even like this is how much money it takes this is like the the hourly rate that i need to give myself for doing the show it's like that if i'm a hustler and like if the time that i am the more time that i'm spending doing on the show like something that i like only make like x amount on is like time that i'm not spending like hustling for other gigs like not even like the ones that i that i get and like once you get the gig then i'm like stoked on the work to do but it just fucking takes time does the the money part when you when you went uh when you turned it down on the doming the, the, mm. the, there's a part of you that kind of like misses the uh the sure. the sick cash that 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 brings it was, in. It was <laughs> the sickest cash of my life, and um uh, I loved it. Um, but really, I mean, it's that same thing. It was like cost benefit analysis. Like it, people maybe don't realize that being a sex worker is being an entrepreneur, and unless you have uh unless you budget for an assistant or like work in a house or like have some kind of help, like you are an entrepreneur of a company of one and like your body is your product and your mind is your product. And like, you have to take out ads, you have to take new pictures, you have to write copy, you have to interact with your clients, you have to screen clients, you have to, you know, you have to do, and now you have to maintain this like social media presence where you're like, I'm having coffee. I'm in the Bahamas. Like here's a picture. Is that crazy? Like escort, it's cam girls i'm not like yeah. against it but it's so wild yeah that like they've got twitter accounts and instagram it, it is instagrams wild. where you, like twitter makes sense you can post your titties up on there yeah instagram you can't even put nothing too wild i mean it's something that i have I've so written nice. about i wrote a i have a, a piece about it um on this great feminist site called the establishment called oh. called um uh tweets from a whore um that's basically just about how like uh like i came up in sex work in like like before the recession <laughs> and wow. like even that makes me such an old queen because i like <laughs> i like remember a time when 
you know, there was like supposed to be fucking mystery around like who you were as a mistress. And like, mm-hmm. you, you know, the idea that you would like, t- like tweet from your vacations was like, no, you're not worthy of seeing what I do and you're not paying for my time. And now, and I mean, I have complete respect for the people who are doing it. And for, for them, I also think it just like comes naturally and it doesn't feel like a chore. It does it like, it doesn't feel like emotional labor until it is. But for me, it just feels like enormous emotional labor. And like, I have a rate for emotional labor. And if like, if I'm not making it, then I'm like, not gonna do that yeah you know what i mean so i do miss the sick cash um but um i am excited about my patreon 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 <laughs> um, what's your favorite reward on your patreon that you oh have? great question um i am really excited about doing like google hangouts <gasps> with my fans mm-hmm. and because i have done like like sexy cam shows in the past. Um, ah. and I have done, um, I have done like, uh, c- like Skype, like, uh, sex advice consulting sessions and done yeah. like bespoke dirty talk for people. That is a part of my business that I would really love to grow. Cause I really did actually used to do that as a dominatrix. Like a lot of my work was like therapy and like counseling and consulting and like people coming to me and being Mm. like i really like like xyz and me like spinning a story or like coming up with a list of words or like giving them advice like i just did it while wearing leather you know um and uh i would totally still do it while wearing leather um but uh anyway so i'm hoping to do more of that like over um skype sessions but even just like being able to skype with my or google hangout with my fans and like really hear from them and hear what they want to see and, uh, and what they'd like to see more of and what they'd like to see less of. And, yeah. um, uh, and kind of creating like a, like a board out of my community. Like, yeah. 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 Out of my, um, out of my little fan club. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. And that, I think I have under the, I can't remember how much you have to pledge. I just started it. Yeah, no, no, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> but you can pledge as little as a dollar. And if you pledge as little as a dollar, you're going to make a big difference. Because mm. a bunch of, I mean, like right now, I have like stats of estimates that like 3,000 people listen to every episode. Okay. And that's great. Um, if, if everybody that, like on average, that's how many people download it. I actually don't <gasps> know how many people listen, but like that's how many people download it. I mean, I think we all think that we're like, oh, well, you know, if this this percentage. I was just talking to Christina Hutchinson, who she's From, part uh, guys, guys we, we fucked, fucked. Yeah. yeah, and you know, they had they just did an Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. They've got hundred, hundred fifty thousand people who listen yeah. to that show probably, and she's like, yeah, if one percent of them all gave, you know, we could quit the day job. Yeah, exactly. and uh, they didn't. They they totally hit their goal, but with way less people. Interesting. You know, uh, and I think we all think about that the percentage of that, but you know. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah people I, are in whatever things they are, but Yeah, totally. And I you know, I it would be it would be nice to get some people who how can I put this? Like I've been really um tentative about the separation between Church My, and state. Me too. Me definitely, too. No. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm I feel very strongly about that. <laughs> um uh but I um Oh, the separation between like my like sex work persona and my uh like writer uh, producer persona mm. um 
and I'm maybe starting to feel comfortable with the idea that like maybe some of the people who used to be very devoted to me when I was doing more sex work would be like willing to like show their like tribute and appreciation to me through my Patreon and through like being my patron in that way. I have had like clients in the past to be like, I want to like be the patron of like this project that you want to do. So like, here's my like extra big tribute to you. And yeah. that has been um, awesome. Uh, and uh, I'd like to keep getting that, that Skrilla, but also then the, 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 thing, that, the thing that's, the thing that's nice is that then I like I'll, in the same platform, I could like get that money from, from like those kinky folks who like want to show their devotion to me. And then, also, like my fans who uh, are like may, like wouldn't be like inclined to like pay like like three hundred dollars for like an hour of being like walked on by me, but like uh, appreciate and like my work, and mm-hmm. they can use the same platform. So I'm excited about that yeah. in 2016. Well, you seem way less shy about uh, the. You seem less shy about asking for money than you were an hour ago. So like you seem. <laughs> There's been such growth, you know, during this podcast. I, really, I, like I think the, it's the, the man, that the man whore <laughs> uh, shamelessness has gotten gotten into me. I, I am a bit shameless. Uh, that will happen. My, my favorite award uh, I know will never be given out because no one's ever going to do it, but it would be the coolest fucking thing ever. My highest reward is I will throw you a sex party. Nice. I think it's at like like $4,500 or five grand or something like that. It's good to go in on as a group. I was like, I always thought if that ever happened retire you would I'm done. <laughs> you would you would throw you in theory so, like i could get like a couple like sexy friends of mine who are way better at like party planning yeah uh and then like i don't know just like i pay them a certain amount to yeah. be like hey we're gonna go throw a sex party in toledo ohio i guess mm. so let's i got i'll cover your food and stuff as we go out and we'll like plan and organize a party yeah they gotta get people there but We'll do the emails. We'll do the setup, and then I'll give them a big hug if they want. I guess and uh, naked, yeah. a naked hug. If they would want, if somebody gives me five grand, I will give them a naked hug. <laughs> Absolutely, fucking lutely. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, let me know if that ever happens. I will totally. Help. I will be telling everybody if that ever happens. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, everyone will know. People I, I've never met before who don't know what I do. I'm. I'm like, Hi, my name is Billy Persida. Uh, someone paid me five grand to throw him an orgy. What's up? How you doing? Oh, you're a banker? Fuck off. This is way cooler. No. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would probably throw someone an orgy for less than that. I mean, I hate to undercut myself, but <laughs> I I would, like, I would probably... Well, you bring up a good point of, like, the travel. Travel. And, and I appreciate also that you would be, like, paying your friends who would be involved sure. in that. But really, throwing a throwing a sex party is not as difficult as people think it is. I think it's harder to get people. Yeah. That's definitely harder. All the other stuff I feel like is easy. Yeah. For me, um, it's, you know, I still think costumes would be the most difficult part because I hate costumes. I hate costumes but, too, oh Billy. Oh my God, high five. Yes. I was just saying last week, uh, my favorite, uh, the, the, the party that I go to, mm. uh, they always have a theme. Uh-huh. And my favorite theme this year was stripped because <laughs> we could just be like, we were just Get, just get naked. Just skip the... Is it like a Burning Man party? It is a burner party. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a I burner, but... Uh, I'm from California, so I, yeah. I, I know. You say sex party and costumes, and I know what you're talking about. It's a, it's a mix of 
Uh, burners, costumers, poly people, and kink people. Wait, is this the Hacienda? Yeah. 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 I shot a porno there once. Oh, you shot one? Yeah. Well, oh, I, no, I uh, performed in it, actually. Oh, uh, porno, porno gym? Uh, no, no. It was um, uh, for Madison Young. Oh, I actually have lots of copies of that if you want one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes when you perform in a porn, they like give you five copies and, uh, you know. So anyway, I do like giveaways with them. But I performed in a porn. I got zero. I had to buy my own DVD. <laughs> I was in a, a porn well, with... Well, that's because Sa- you're someone with a penis. Ugh, it um, is the one. It is the one industry where. Was we, we, after the shoot, they gave us. It was this thing called Team BJ with like Sarah J and Siri. But after we shot it, they gave us a free DVD of the previous Team BJ from the year before. Oh. I was like, I don't want that. I want to see my awkward dick in a, in the movie. <laughs> and then I saw my awkward dick in the movie. I was like, I never want to see that again. This is. You're like you're like Bob Dylan. You're like don't want to listen to the album. I'm way too adorable for porn. Aww. Is why I learned. Because Aww. I go up to her and Syria looks up at me. She's like, uh, it's just blowjobs. She's like, everyone's taking a turn getting blowjobs. And she goes like, mm, you smell nice. I just go, oh, thank you. And I'm like, oh, this is not for me. This is not my profession. <laughs> I was, that was way too cute. Oh, that is that's nice. That's that's cool that you that you've performed in a in a movie though. That's cool. Well, it was it was you know we did a trade because Sarah J did my podcast. I did her porno, and nice. uh, it was an excuse to go to Vegas. Oh, that's totally yeah, awesome. That's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, no, I shot a movie for Madison Young in uh, at the Hacienda, um, and uh, the villa or the where they do the party. Uh, it was it, next to it was the the like the first floor like. Uh, next to the hot tub, it wasn't actually in the hot yeah, tub. Yeah, yeah, that, so that's where they do the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, hot tub. <laughs> Afterwards, I was like talking to the guy who owns the place. I was like, so can I get in your hot, hot tub? tub? And he was like, you are a porn star. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But I haven't. And actually, I just had a friend in town who was like, I'm going over to Tulsa. And I was like, oh, that's still a thing. That's cool. Huh. It would be cool to check out. Yeah, yeah. It's fun times. Nice. It's the only party I go to. Nice. Yeah. But you you are quite the sex hustler, Tina. So uh, th- thank you for coming on the show. That was and, so uh, fast. Yeah, no, over an hour. Whoa. It was great. Uh, well, I guess we're both podcasters. Yeah, no, I can just do this for, I can talk about fuck stuff for a while. Uh, don't even get me on butt things. It will never end. How? Okay, folks. So here's the deal. We were about to end the episode. She asked what was, she I'm sure thought was a very easy, hey, and so how are you doing question? And not realizing that that question for me, Billy Persida, is always a very loaded question. Um, And it ended up devolving into another about another hour of conversation. Um, So here's what we did. It kind of spun out into a lot of different stuff involved my drama from the Twitter sphere, involved a lot of talks about feminism, a lot of theory conversation which, uh, you know, didn't really match what we had just done. So here's what we did. We're, we're going to end the episode here. And anyone who donates to the podcast on Patreon will have access to the other f- roughly 40 minutes of conversation that we had. It's, it's good conversation. It's good stuff. I just didn't think that it fit with, uh, with the hour that we had done. So if you want to hear the rest of my conversation with Tina Horn, go to patreon.com slash manhorrorpodcast. What I am going to do, though, is I'm going to play you the last six minutes that we did together. It's Consider a teaser of what that 40 minutes is about. And if you're 
if you're digging it, if you're curious, go to Patreon, make a donation, uh, and you'll get the rest of it. If not, it's a good six minutes to uh, to close the episode out on. Um, as for plugs, Tina gives you all of her plugs at, at the end of this six minutes. So just listen up, but do make sure you download her podcast, uh, Wire People Into That. And her website is tinahorn.net. Me, you know my deal, manwhorepod.com. It's all there. Do the survey. Sign up for the mailing list, all right? Follow me on Twitter. Buy her book. Let's do this thing. And if you want the other 40 minutes, uh, go to Patreon and make a donation, and uh, I'll send you it. Yeah. And since you're not going to hear from me at the end of this, uh, don't forget, stay slutty. The last thing, and it's 100% self-indulgent. Okay. <laughs> you said you listened to some of my show before yeah. this, right? Okay. So what was your take on me before coming here? Has that changed? If so, how? Take on me. Take on me. <laughs> what was my... Is that real big, was that Real Big Fish? No, it no? was AHA. Oh, I don't know. You're young. I you know. don't remember the 80s. I sneaked in by six months. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> You don't remember that that video? Have you ever seen that video, the Aha video, where there, it's like a, it's like drawn, and like the girl gets like sucked into the cartoon world. You gotta watch it. Take, some of your listeners, some of your Gen X listeners, are like, yeah, Aha. Oh, they shake their head at me off. Well, t- Real Big Fish did a Scott cover of Take on Me. That's gotcha, how I know the song. Gotcha. That right. sounds totally right. Yes, yeah. I also remember Real Big Fish. You know, I'll be self indulgent for a moment and say that I, you know, I used to have the, this reputation for being like the nicest dominatrix and like not necessarily that I was like that I let people off easy but that I would like do it with a smile and like now I feel like it's sort of my destiny to be like the world's nicest angry dyke okay (laughs) like I'm very I'm very like in I love men you know and I like love having um uh, I love having these kinds of conversations. Uh, you know, the impression that I, my take on you, um, from listening to your show and like reading some press about you, um, is that you are very funny and very sincere and, um, you, and that you're, and, uh, that you really, that you want to be that you don't you know that you want to be respectful but you're also really stubborn and you're kind of like stuck on this idea of like what words can do and what words mean and i i sort of feel like that is maybe the thing that, you know, I'm not going to like call you out on like, you are this because you said this or like, you're welcome to, if you feel that way, I will do it, whether you welcome me to or not, okay. <laughs> if I feel that way. But like, I, um, uh, no, I, I mean, I would, I would tell you if I was, but, um, uh, I mean, there's a reason I'm here, you know, I, I like your show and I like what you're doing. And I also thought that we would have an interesting conversation and I would love to have you on my show. Mm. Um, uh, and I think that like a, 
I don't, I don't want to like listen to media. That's just like an echo chamber of affirmation. You know, I left the Bay area for a reason. Um, and, uh, I think that like friction and tension makes good nonfiction media. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, I hear, I think that your stubbornness like comes from a position of privilege. And I think that you're like, um, but also if the project of your show, it is not to like, investigate power and like try to grow in a consciousness of social justice or like be like a force or a spokesperson person for social social justice then that's fine like that's definitely my project uh and i can't i can't imagine like doing a project that has to do with sexuality and like not talking about like power and uh how it informs sex both like in a fun way (laughs) and also in a like in the way that like I'm a woman in a patriarchal society and that has shaped my sexuality that I think the patriarchy has shaped everyone's sexuality for a better force. Um, but so I do believe that you have the right to make your media however you want it. Um, and, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> and the fa- your face on that point, you know, Ugh. No, I'm just I'm I'm realizing that uh you know like you don't need my permission to do that. Um but uh and I do think that it is a very powerful and important social function to make people uncomfortable, to offend them and to undermine self-seriousness with satire. Um and I think you do that. I think comedy is like one of the most important parts of culture and society like for that reason. Um so um has any of that changed in like since sitting down and like having a conversation with me? No. No. Okay. No. No, I feel uh uh I am excited that uh to like sort of to actually like participate in a conversation with you about that stuff. And it was fun. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty and thank <laughs> you for having that conversation. If more conversation like that would happen with the guys uh, that you know, maybe the middle of the road dudes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you may recruit more to the side because I'm know. actually just here to recruit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from. I've come from the lesbian separatist <laughs> commune to, you know, recruit. I want to read up on that theory. <laughs> um, uh, you're you're all over the place. Where can people find you? Obviously, you have your new book out, Sexting. Yes. Uh, where can people find that? <clears throat> So I have a website. It's tinahorn.net. That's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N.net. You can also find out more about me and my podcast at whyarepeopleintothat.com. That's the name of my podcast, and you can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, my Twitter handle is at tinahornsass, which is spelled the same as at tinahorn. Sass. I didn't know which one it was. But <laughs> like my heart and soul wanted it to be the first one. So it that's definitely <laughs> was originally um, meant to be um, like follow my ass. Um, uh, but it has a nice um, mm-hmm. uh, flexibility there. And um, I do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash 
Tina Horn. Again, that's T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. And my, I have a book called Sexting. I have another book that came out last year called Love Not Given Lightly that is about sex work in the Bay Area. And I'm the creative director of a new publishing imprint um, based out of the Bay Area called 3L Media. And we put out an anthology uh, edited by Jiz Lee called Coming Out Like a Porn Star. Uh, we put out a collection of the photography of Nikki Silver called Unshaven. That's all like naked hairy ladies. I have an essay in that book. Um, this year we're coming out, we're putting out a collection of, um, the writing from the past two years of Susie Q from the Horcast, who I also do some work with. Um, and her book is going to be called Truth, Justice, and the American Horror. And that's all the, that's all the stuff that I can think of off the top of my head. And you'll find all that in the, uh, the show notes. And, uh, will you please say goodbye to everybody in that voice that you have that you do in the beginning of your podcast, which I love? It's this <laughs> sultry. Phone sexy, airy. Yeah, it's just like gives you a hard on as soon as you press play. Yes. Does it does it give you a hard on and make you put your hand on your credit card? (laughs) That's that's what it's supposed to do. The sex hustler. Sex hustler. (laughs) Just like I have many hairstyles, I also have many voices. Mm -hmm. Um Well everyone, thank you for listening to the Man Whore Podcast. I'm Tina Horn and thanks and stuff and things. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. <laughs>